like us to uh, read the, um, the Beatitudes together uh, out loud. Uh, they can be found on uh, page 809 in, your, um, in the Bibles, uh, in the rack before you, um, and they are behind me as well. So let us uh, recite together uh, the Beatitudes beginning uh, with poor in spirit and concluding with uh, those persecuted. Let us read the scripture together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones has uh, mentioned to us through his writings that the center, uh, in fact perhaps the high point of the Beatitudes, is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness um, shall be satisfied, and then as we go, uh, we go down on the having reached that high point, uh, we see that blessed are the merciful, and blessed are the pure in heart, and that prepares us then to be to be peacemakers, merciful, pure in heart, and today uh, the peacemakers. Perhaps the greatest of the passages in the scripture that that give us um, the wisdom to know how to live as peacemakers is James chapter 3. Uh, and I'm going to read verses 13 uh, through the end of the, of the chapter, verse 18. The first part of this, of this passage is bleak. Uh, it, is, it is difficult even to read uh, in some respects, but we're going to be focusing on verses um, 17 uh, and 18, both this week and next week. Listen to God's word, James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This morning we will consider uh, the wisdom from above is first pure, 
then peaceable, then gentle, and finally open to reason. Don't be intimidated by the sermon outline you see in the bulletin. We're only going to go through half of those aspects today. Let us pray. Again, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be upon us, uh, that you would open up our hearts, uh, that you would, um, you would send arrows of truth uh, between the folds of our heart, whereby we often want to protect ourselves from, from the, uh, the penetration of truth. And so we pray that both truth and grace uh, would, would um, abound uh, for us today. Amen. Followers of the Prince of Peace really want to see verse 18 happen. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Followers of the Prince of Peace want to be useful to bring about peace in their closest relationships. James 3 is a very accurate description of what our lives are often like. There is disunity. Uh, there is disorder. There is even vile practice. Uh, the word, the flesh, and the devil. Did you hear that? Uh, it, this wisdom is, is earthly. It is worldly. It is unspiritual. It is contrary to the spirit. It is demonic. All of that working against the wisdom from above. The world, the flesh, and the devil conspire to disrupt blood-bought peace. We find ourselves at times functioning as a judge of other people, as the one who condemns them, and then the one who executes them. We find ourselves doing this. And the Holy Spirit today, I pray, would grant us to see one another, first of all, as through the eyes of God's grace. To see one another uh, as those who have been given mercy, as those who have been given purity, and therefore uh, have been enabled to be peacemakers. We see the Holy Spirit's work in us. We pray for more of that. Um, in our conflicts, even in our difficult times, uh, we pray that we would be able to view one another. Parents, pray that you would be able to view your children uh, as Christ does. He loves sinners. And we as his people are still, we still commit sins. He loves you. Dear children, despite your sin, Jesus does not define you ultimately as the sinner. And may the Holy Spirit, who is at work in us even now, uh, enable us to view one another as Christ does. Dearly loved and forgiven brothers and sisters in Him. That's the first point of introduction, to see each other as God sees us through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second point is that we are not naturally peacemakers. It does not come easy to us. We are naturally 
I suppose you could say, either avoiders of conflict or attackers in conflict. Avoiders or attackers. Sometimes as avoiders, we simply choose not to resolve problems. It's too difficult. Or, worse yet, it doesn't really matter. And so we ignore them. We may have angry exchanges in our own homes, and yet often can leave them unresolved. And what we do with them instead is to throw them in the basement and slam the door. And after 20 years or 30 years, We continue to push them down. We try to forget them. But the stench comes up between the floorboards. The stench comes up from under the, the, the basement door. And we see that stench show up or reveal itself in our hair-trigger defensiveness with one another. In our anger when something is pointed out to us. We have practiced resolving problems without the blood of Jesus. Others among us uh, might be attackers, not so much avoiders, uh, like a fighter pilot uh, that swoops down and strafes a village with his uh, with his hardware, with, with his with his uh, with his bullets. Uh, he, uh, we don't listen very well. We don't engage one another's hearts very well. That's hard to do. And we at times spit out angry words. We have dropped our load, done our damage, and moved on. Again, living in homes living in a community with little regard or no regard for the blood of Christ, without, without exercising, practicing forgiveness without the blood of Christ. And we're missing out many times in our families. We are missing out on intimacy both with Jesus and with one another. We can practice religion and yet not be free. My third point, having, having rather bleakly just sort of uh, identified some of our patterns, <laughs> my third point of introduction uh, is that we are both called and equipped to be peacemakers. Do we get an amen for that? We are called and equipped by the Spirit of God as peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Re remember that the Beatitudes are not ones like the, the gifts of the Spirit that you can, you can see, well, that's my gift, but not this. Um, I can be, what, poor in spirit? But not a peacemaker? It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You are called and by the Spirit of God equipped to be a peacemaker if you have ears to hear. And parents, I want, I'm going to, I want to address you today. 
There are times uh, when you get up in the morning and you put on your striped referee shirt, you put your whistle around your neck, and you blow that whistle 300 times in the course of the day to try to win peace. That's a calling. It's a difficult challenge. And I pray that the Spirit would give you some handles today to be able to work with that. I pray, verse 18, for every single one of us, that there would be a harvest of righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. Pray that you would be, the Lord, uh, the Spirit would give us the grace to understand that constructive conflict is possible and good. Destructive conflict is what we practice generally. But that is not the biblical way. Constructive, goal-oriented, holy, uh, holiness of life-oriented um, conflict is what, is what we're after. All right, let's start with a blessing today. Let's start with a blessing. Blessed are the, uh, the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers are like the Son, Jesus. We are like Jesus who made peace uh, through the blood of his cross. We weren't looking for peace. We weren't pursuing peace. We were at war with God, but God took the initiative and through the shedding of of the blood of his Son, he has granted us by the power as as it is employed by the Holy Spirit to bring us salvation, the forgiveness of sins, And the peace we have now won with God, W-O-N, the peace that we have now won with God, he is now at peace with us through the older brother. We will be acting like chips off the old block because we too are sons. We will strive, Hebrews 12, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's who we are as sons of God. Peacemakers will be called, identified as the sons of God. Again, just looking at four of the beautiful steps that we have in in James chapter 3. Four of the steps. uh, Purity. Purity. Blessed are the pure in heart. This is beatitude number six. And the next one is, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, James also recognizing that the first step in peacemaking uh, begins with purity of heart. Wow! Who can do that? Who's got purity of heart? Who is blameless? Who among us is blameless? And who among us is without hypocrisy? The first thing we must recognize then, as we seek to live lives of purity of heart, is that our hearts aren't there yet. Our hearts are mixed with deep stains of selfish desires. And just because our hearts are mixed with with selfish desires doesn't mean we can opt out of this step uh, of of uh, in, in peacemaking. Well, this isn't for me. I I don't have that kind of heart, so I'll just zone out and I'll wake up when we're done. It's not how it works. 
We need to be challenged for the specific areas in our lives and hearts where we are. We do have mixture of sin uh, in, in our heart. I, I think of even those who think of themselves as mature Christians can be misled here. A, a mature Christian would have, may have a view like this. Surely it is pleasing with God that I avoid conflict. So I'm going to avoid conflict. I will ignore problems. I will not deal with things. I will smooth over, over things rather than being honest with a brother or sister and seeking to resolve real problems. I have an attitude of peace at any price. That's an example of a mixed heart. And the Lord calls us to deal with that. And perhaps that is part of the disease or part of the effect of sin and older and even people who have been Christians for a long time. So we start the purity of heart. This is where we start. Unite my heart to fear your name. Enable me to see those things that would interfere with a life of peacemaking and living. Unite, Psalm 86, unite my heart. Bring it together. Purify it. Keep out the, 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 the sewage. Unite my heart to fear your name. Another psalm, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's where we start. Having dealt with the impurities in our own in our own hearts, we are we even see the goal. The goal of peacemaking is beautiful. And, and so, secondly, we we are led to be peaceable. Be peaceable. Um, Calvin, in his very gentle way, put it this way: Each of us is a devil to our neighbors. <laughs> Calvin spoke with such a delicate voice and wrote with such a such a, a, a delicate a delicate pen. But he was recognizing the fact that we are often harsh and often judgmental. And this can occur perhaps most easily in peacemaking. Uh, parents, parents, you are called to be peaceable. Peacemakers who are peaceable. Now let's imagine a scenario. You've got several kids at home and they are making a fair amount of noise. What do you do? They're bickering. What do you do? You shout louder. Be quiet. And you win the day because your voice is louder. Goal achieved. They're cowering. Is that being peaceable? We respond even to unrest with peaceable tone. We respond even to unrest with peace. And may the Holy Spirit give us that peaceable disposition where we exercise patience and kindness, where our voice is, is peaceful, our, our, our voice is calm. Parent, you, you walk into a messy conversation with, that your children are having. And you see one child who is acting out in, in perhaps awful ways. Uh, this is something that I've done on more than one occasion. And I'm not proud to say it. But I'll walk into the house. And uh, this is when the kids were small. And, and Gail was maybe dealing with some chaotic uh, mess in there. And my goal was to make quick peace. 
And so I would shout loudly. I would name names. I had about a half a second to gauge who was the guilty one. And I remembered that they are guilty a lot of the time, so they're probably guilty now. So I just jump on and discipline and, and so forth. And feel very efficient. Because it was very quick. And it got very quiet. Promptly. Is that being peaceable? Let's try another way. You watch a child's cruelty to a sibling. If they're a young child, a very young child, of course you use uh, what, we, what we might call when you extinguish bad behavior through negative reinforcement. You understand what I'm saying? You extinguish bad behavior through negative reinforcement. In the, in the language of the scriptures, that would be spanking. You do that for the little ones. Of course you do. But as your child is older, you don't respond in anger at that moment. You may separate the parties. But then later, when the temperature has cooled, you, you go to that child who, has, who, who, who is the offending child, and you ask the question like that, did you see how your behavior affected your sister? Is that the way you want to be treated by us, mom and dad? Do you see that this is offensive to God? And my point here is that you will do much good simply by the tone of your voice. You are teaching them to respond to conflict in a measured way. How you lead your children shows them the way to peace. How you problem solve with your children shows them the way to peace. Let's try it with adults. Imagine you have a friend. Imagine that you have a spouse. Someone with whom uh, you are quite close and have gotten, perhaps, to understand something about them. And maybe you've been, say, in a married relationship, maybe you've been one who has absorbed anger from your partner. What you don't do is go toe-to-toe with your partner at that time. If there is actually illegal behavior, you report that to the police. You get your elders involved in that kind of a situation. But we're saying it not that's not what's going on right here. But you don't go toe to toe at that time. Later on, you go to your, your go, you go to your partner, you go to your friend, you go to your spouse, and you say something like this. Remember the other day. And they'll certainly remember the other day. And you make a comment like this, calm and measured. It felt like you were shutting me down. It felt like you weren't interested in what I have to say. It was overpowering. And is that what you want in our marriage, in our friendship? You confront, but you do it with a winsome tone. You do it with a tone of, of courtesy. You are peaceable 
in speech, which flows from meekness, it flows also with gentleness. That's the next one. Purity, peaceable, and now gentle. Again, we are not naturally gentle. Um, We are often given to anger. And we would do well to remember James chapter 1. Anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. And we might say, anger does not bring about the righteous life that you desire either for those that are precious to you. Anger, you see, has no place in peacemaking. Primary reason for that is anger blinds us of two things that are very important as we're dealing with one another. Anger blinds us of, of two things. The first is we're not seeing ourselves clearly. When we are angry, it is almost invariably we are being self-righteous. Almost invariably we are seeing ourselves as the one who has sinned against and who is, does not is not responsible for any part of this. We are angry with the other person for what they have done. We are blind to ourselves. The other thing that we're angry about, though, is that we also paint our partner or our friend with a very very bold brush. And we see them only as sinners. We do not see them as those in whom the Holy Spirit is working. And that makes us doubly angry. Anger has no place in this process of purity of heart, being peaceable, and being gentle. Through the Holy Spirit, he is working, he is what God is working to turn us from anger to gentleness. The way of peace runs through gentleness. This is, this is an almost, um, this is a shocking command from God. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 2, it says, show perfect courtesy to all people. Show, demonstrate, perfect, perfect courtesy, gentleness, kindness, peaceableness to all people, including those with whom you are in conflict. Paul says, I entreat you with the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The meekness, gentleness of Christ. A dear friend of mine, a pastor who uh, served in, a, in another state, uh, called me up uh, some months ago. And uh, in the course of our conversation, uh, he brought up uh, a, cu- a couple that he was counseling with. There was a, a husband and a wife in his, in his congregation. And the husband was, uh, was being consistently rude and critical and demeaning to his spouse. I'm glad the elders were involved in it. I don't think it had gotten to the point where the police needed to be called yet, but it was a, it was a steady drip of wickedness coming towards, that, uh, coming towards that woman. And in the course of our conversation, my dear friend, who is a bit of a... He can be given to anger. Love the guy, but he can be given to anger. And, um, and, and he said to me, I want to go over there and rip that guy's head off. 
And uh, I, I said to him, that's probably not a good way to do it. <laughs> and and what, I, what I said to him was this, is how you treat him now, while he's obnoxious, how you treat him is a model for how you want him to treat her. Did you hear that? In the midst of this conflict, how you treat him is a model for how you want him to treat her. This is a bright guy. He's smarter than I am. And he said to me, oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. A gentle word, you see, breaks the bone. We prefer hammers, but a gentle word breaks the bone. Jesus related to us with pure gentleness. He was not passive, he was direct. He communicated in the way that he spoke with people that he was for them. He did make exceptions to those who were incurably arrogant and self-righteous. They got some rough treatment. They were the only ones. In this pathway to wisdom, wisdom that comes from above, it is first of all pure. Secondly, it is peaceable. And thirdly, um, gentle. And now finally, open to reason open to reason. We're not always open to reason, are we? Sometimes we, in our conversations with someone, we will talk over them. Do you know what I'm talking about? If they're talking at a certain decibel, we're talking at a bit higher decibel because we're just, we want ourselves to be heard. Or we're talking past them. We talk over them or we talk past them. That is, they are unloading their gun and instead of listening and trying to interact with them, we unload our gun. And so it is mutually assured destruction or man. And both sides have long since stopped talking. I'm sorry stopped listening. And we remember the proverb that says, um, the fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. This is a very sobering thing. And, and that is, and it's a very humbling thing. And, and that is to be open to the possibility that you don't see everything yet with great clarity. I would say that there are probably a thousand times in my 47-year marriage where um, I have had to listen more carefully because I had, at perhaps uh, a moment, uh, in a moment, uh, considered that my wife did not have something unique, important, and true to tell me. Do you follow what I'm saying? We can write people off as not having something to contribute to us. In particular, when we are angry. 
To be open to reason is simply making the observation, the humble observation, that it is possible that I don't have a clear insight on every part of this problem. It's just possible that I might need some help from an outsider to see things a little bit more clearly. Do you follow me? This is being open to reason. Sometimes we've already made up our mind. We need to be open to reason. More eager to listen than we are to speak. A comment that uh, in my later years um, I have come to say not only to my wife but also to other people and that is help me to understand what you're thinking. Help me to understand what you're thinking. I'm not sure I see it yet. And just be willing to listen. Quiet. Willing to listen. You see, we need repentance in this, in this act of peacemaking. Not just from our forcefulness. Not just from our interrupting of people. But of the underlying arrogance. Being the kind of person who needs to be right. And who believes he or she is right and doesn't need the input of other people. That is a deep stain. A deep stain. So you repent not only of your forcefulness, but you repent of your um, unwillingness to be open to reason. Something that enables us to be increasingly open to reason is this phrase, this phrase that I think comes from John Bunyan. And it was when he, um, he was, uh, was finally soundly converted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and he became, he was able to see, after he had been, he'd been a Christian for a while, but he wasn't, he wasn't doing very well, I'll put it that way. And this is what he came to see after a while. He said that my righteousness, you hear this? My righteousness is in heaven, right before the eyes of God. My righteousness that we receive by grace through faith that is imputed to us, that is Christ's righteousness that he gives to us, that righteousness is in heaven right before the face of God. And when we get that, we are able to hear what other people have to say. Well, are you at peace with God? Basic and most important question today. I didn't ask if you were religious are you at peace with God? Is God at peace with you? Because you are trusting in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your blood bought salvation in Him. Is that your hope? Is that your hope? Today is a great day, a day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we uh, can gain peace with you uh, through the blood of, of the cross of Christ. And we ask that we, each of us here, would have a growing ability uh, to apply that glorious gospel in our peacemaking with our children, uh, with our close friends, in our marriages, in, in throughout the church. Lord, may we be those who have learned humility so we are able to live in peace. And we pray these things in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen.